Today's episode is sponsored by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BrainsOn. Just go to Indeed.com slash BrainsOn right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BrainsOn. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi, BrainsOn listeners. Before we start the show, we just wanted to let you know that we finally have t-shirts for sale. There are a few really cool designs, including one for the dinosaur lovers out there and another for all of you space enthusiasts. You can head to BrainsOn.org shop to check them out. That's BrainsOn.org shop. You can rock a rad new shirt and support this podcast at the same time. Thanks. Now, on to the show. You're listening to Brains On, where we are serious about being curious. Brains On is supported in part by a grant from the National Science Foundation. The world can be a very noisy place. Here's just a sampling of the sounds from my morning. It's easy to take them for granted, but these sounds are everywhere. Some are beautiful, others not so much. Today we're going to test how closely you've been listening to the world around you with our annual Mystery Sound Extravaganza. Get your ears ready and keep listening. You're listening to Brain Zone for American Public Media. I'm Molly Bloom, and my co-host today is 12-year-old Canary Seti from Dallas, Texas. Welcome, Canary. Hello. So, Canary, you're a Brains On listener, but you're also a writer. You've published a book? Yes, actually two. Oh my gosh, what, what are the names of the books? The first one, City of Soul, is a fiction novel, and the second one is a book about poetry named Me Musing. Very cool. And what is your uh, fiction novel about? It's about two girls who go go on an adventure to find a hidden city using a book of magic and a tree to help them along the way. Ooh, I am very intrigued. Are you working on any other stories right now? Three, actually. Three? Yes. And so when you write, do you imagine the sounds in your head? Like when you are writing, do you hear what's happening in your book as you're writing? Yes, I picture Like a movie. So like if a character's walking through the woods, you hear leaves crunching under their feet. Yes. Well, I think that is going to make you very good at this mystery sound guessing today. So let's not wait anymore. It's time to kick off this extravaganza. Here is your first sound. This one is pretty quiet. So listen closely. So do you have any guesses? Um, it's like tin foil. Maybe something's wrapped, like 
someone's wrapping tinfoil around something. Mm, very good guess. Would you like to hear it again? Um, yes, please. Maybe it's like pouring something because mm, you pouring. can hear something going into another thing because it's like smashing against something else. Well, are you ready for the answer? Yes. Okay, here it is. I'm Genesee from Boston, Massachusetts, and I'm here to tell you that that was the sound of my mom's ironing sizzling because it touched the water. My mom was ironing her blouse when I decided to record this. This sound sends shivers up my back because when I was little, I got burnt by one. Ouch. So we definitely need to be careful around hot irons. So it was the sound of an iron sizzling. So you were kind of close. You heard pouring water and there was water involved. Have you ever ironed before, Canary? Like I heard my mom iron before. So now that you hear that answer, does it make sense? Yes. Excellent. All right. Now that our ears are warmed up, let's move on to the next sound. that's wrapping something around something again because I could hear um, like paper crumpling and it's like they're pouring something into a jar or something because you could hear pieces falling. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you heard some crinkling paper and some pouring. Do you want to hear it again? Yes, please. I feel like someone's putting cereal into a bowl. Excellent guess. Well, let's hear the answer. I'm Aisha from Fremont, California. That was the sound of me pouring cereal into a plastic bowl. I like to eat cereal with milk and without milk. My favorite time to eat cereal is any time. You are 100% right. Hooray! <laughs> awesome job. So... Do you eat cereal? I'm guessing you do since you recognize the sound. Yes. When do you like to eat cereal? For breakfast. Yes. I like cereal as dessert sometimes <laughs> in a mug. It's very specific. Okay. Yeah. Are you ready for your next sound? Yes, please. All right. This one's kind of tough. It's like someone's like hammering down some a nail, I think, but I could hear glass. I'm not really sure. Okay, so you heard, I think maybe it was hammering down a nail, but maybe you also heard glass. Let's hear it again. Okay. I would say either someone like hammering down a nail or maybe... Someone's like trying to mold something, like maybe make something out of glass. Excellent guesses. Well, let's hear the answer. My name's Peter, 
and I live in Virginia. That was the sound of me tapping out SOS on the telegraph I made with my dad. So tapping, not that different yeah. than hitting a nail. So you were, I would say you were close. Do you know what SOS is? Yes. When you're in danger, you, um, like either, that's Braille, wasn't it? It's a Morse code. So yeah, it's basically what it is, is you're using the letter S and the letter O and the letter S spelled in Morse code, which is three dots for an S and three dashes for an O. So the dots are short and the dashes are long. So it's dot, 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 dash, 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 dot, dot, dot. And actually SOS doesn't stand for anything. It's just that it was agreed to be the international distress call because it was easy to repeat and easy to understand. The telegraph was the first way for people to reliably send messages over long distances, and they would use this Morse code, which is an entire alphabet made up of different configurations of these dots and dashes. I did not know that. Yeah, isn't that cool? So, but now we know we have cell phones and emails and telephones. So I asked Peter why he and his dad wanted to build a telegraph. We thought it would be fun to make, and it was a little challenging. Peter's very interested in history. Oh, and that is his sister, Clara. She helped, too. Yeah, and we went to a train museum, and we learned how trains use telegraphs to communicate. And so they had a little sheet handout that told you how to make a very basic telegraph. You get a nail, and you wrap some wire around that nail to make a magnet. And you wrap um, the wire around it about a hundred times. So the nail that um, has the wire wrapped around it has a piece of ferrous metal that goes over it that's hitting it. Peter is describing what is known as the sounder. And by wrapping that wire around the nail, they're making an electromagnet. The way you get the sounder to actually make a sound is by hitting another part of the telegraph called the key. The metal key and the sounder are both connected by wires to a battery. When you push down on the metal key to connect it with one end of the wire, it creates a circuit, making the nail magnetic and pulling the piece of metal on the sounder down to hit that nail, and that makes the sound that you hear. If you want to try building your own simple telegraph, we have a link to the instructions on our website. It's brainson.org. Okay. One more sound before we take a quick break. Here it is. Um, it's a chicken. It's a chicken? Yes. You sound very sure about this. Do you want to hear it again? Um, yes, please. Okay, let's hear it one more time. I could hear someone beating down something. Like the chicken's eating something and like running around. Mm-hmm. Let's hear the answer. I'm Sierra from Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and that was the sound of my chicken's eating. I have five, Leia, Peep, Agnes, Rhonda, and Fluffy. I give them water, uh, and I feed them, and I help my mom clean out the coop. So you were 100% correct. That was chicken's eating. Well done. You are very good at this. Thank you. So have you ever seen a chicken up close before? Not in real life, actually. Well, Canary, you are really doing amazingly so far, and we want to give your ears a break. So we're going to be back with more mystery sounds in just a bit. (laughs) 
One of the most buzzed about topics here at Brains On is gas. Oh yes, we've released not one, but two episodes about farts. One on humans and one about animals. And people can't get enough. So with that in mind, we are giving you a chance for more. We have 10 copies of the book, Does It Fart?, to give away. Danny Rabiotti and Nick Caruso wrote this query into Animal Gas, and they were actually guests on our Animal Fart episode when they were doing research for the book. If you're over 18, you can go to brainson.org slash giveaway and enter for a chance to win. But hurry, you have only until midnight central time on Friday, April 6th to enter for a chance to win. That's brainson.org slash giveaway. This show would not be possible without our listeners and all the amazing mystery sounds they send to us. If you have one you want to send in, just email it to hello at brainson.org. You can also send drawings, ideas, high fives, and questions to that same email address. That's what Julian did. He sent us this question. Why do bugs rub their hands together when they land on something? We'll have an answer to that question during our moment of um at the end of the show, as well as the most recent group of kids to join Julian on the Brains Honor Roll. Keep listening. You're listening to Brains On from American Public Media. I'm Canary Seti. And I'm Molly Bloom. Okay, Canary, are your ears ready for another round of mystery sounds? Absolutely. All right, let's do it. Here is your next sound. I feel like it's someone dropping out pencils on the floor or from a pouch. Excellent guess. Or maybe like really light wooden blocks. That is a really good guess. Do you want to hear it again? Yes, please. Okay, let's hear it. I'm going to stick with my answer. So you're sticking with pencils falling out. All right, here is the answer. Hi, my name is Alita, and I live in Portland, Oregon. That sound you just heard was the sound of me rummaging through my pencils. I like that sound because I get excited that I'm going to color something really fun. Bye! You were right again. Canary, I am amazed. Thank you. Do you color a lot? Yeah. I'm wondering, when you write your stories, do you ever illustrate or make sketches when you're writing? I'm not that great at drawing, so no. Okay. (laughs) Does it ever help you to sort of, like, imagine things, even to just, like, make a stick figure? Or is it sort of all just in your your mind? I imagine drawing it in my mind, but not actually on the paper. Yeah, I, I wish I could draw well. I'm always in awe of people who can make amazing drawings. Because I can see them in my head, but they just don't come out of my pen the way I want them to. Yes. You ready for the next one? Absolutely. All right, let's hear it. That's like turning a knob of a timer. Okay, turning the knob of a timer. Excellent guess. Let's hear it again. Uh, I'm going to stick with my answer because... um, The person who is turning it stopped for a second and that's usually to like... Place your hand again. Yeah, like reposition your hand so you can turn it. Yeah. Excellent guess. All right, let's hear the answer. I'm Lorelai Ladd from Petaluma, California. That was the sound of me spinning the chain on my bike by turning the pedals. The clicking sound is the chain moving through the large and small metal discs 
with pointy teeth called sprockets. The chain is moved by the pedal moving the sprocket, pulling the chain around the rear sprocket that turns the back wheel. I've been riding a BMX bike for three years since I was seven years old. A BMX bike is usually lighter and slightly smaller than a normal bike, and mine has a gyro mechanism at the bottom of the handlebars that allow the handlebars and the front tire to move in a full circle when doing jumps. It's my favorite bike because it's really fast and much more fun than running or walking. Okay, so you were definitely close. She was turning something, but it was a pedal, not a timer. Yes. Do you ever ride bikes? Yes, I do, in the summer. So now that you hear that explanation, have you heard that sound on your bike before? Yeah, now it makes sense. Well, it is time for the next mystery sound. Are you ready? Yes. Oh, that's hard. Yeah, this is a tricky one. Um, I don't know, but I feel like I heard a cat. A cat? Yes. Okay. And I don't know, maybe the cat's playing with its claws on some like mesh material because of the sound. A wire, maybe. Okay, so you think maybe a cat is messing with something. Yes. Okay, (laughs) good guess. Let's hear it one more time. Um, yeah. You're going to stick with the cat messing with something? Yes. Yeah, I think this sound is tricky because I think unless you've had this exact experience, you're probably not familiar with this particular sound. So let's hear the answer. I'm Alexander from Colonia, New Jersey. That was the sound of me getting my short cast. The doctor was unrolling a sticky kind of tape over my broken arm, and since the tape was on... A hollow tube, it made this cool kind of popping sound like pop rocks. The worst thing about having a cast is when you have itches. The itches are really itchy once you let them sit there, so... And then you can't itch them, and it's really itchy then. So not quite a cat messing with something, but it was a cast. So just one letter off there. Have you ever had a cast before? No. Yeah, me neither. So I think unless you've gotten a cast on your arm or leg, you probably would not be familiar with that particular kind of tape that's used on the cast. But it makes a really cool sound, right? It does. Brains on. Brains on. Brains on. Brains on. Thanks to Alexander, his brother William, and cousin Charlotte for making us their very own version of one of our signature sounds. Okay, now Canary, on to the next sound. And this one is also kind of quiet, so get ready. I could hear a spray, like maybe a garden hose or like a sprinkler or maybe chalk. I'm not completely sure. Ooh, chalk, good guess. Do you want to hear the sound again? Yes, please. Okay, here it is. 
there's um like a tiny clicking sound. Mm-hmm. So maybe like you're just drawing straight lines with chalk and like you're reaching the end of the board or something. Excellent guess. I think we're ready for the answer. So here it is. My name is Matilda Snyder. I'm nine years old and I'm from Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. That was the sound of me rosining my violin bow. Rosin is made from tree sap and it looks sort of like amber. It's yellowish orange and it's in a wooden holder or plastic um, and it makes it easier for you to get a good grip on it. When you put rosin on a bow, you slide the cake of rosin up and down the hairs of the bow. You need rosin so that it doesn't so that the bow doesn't slide all around the violin. It rosin adds friction and it helps it grip the strings. I've played violin for 4 years. The most challenging part of playing violin is probably that it gets really frustrating at times. You have to practice the same thing over and over again um, every day, and that can get pretty frustrating. My favorite part of playing violin is when I finally get something right after I've been trying for a while. It feels really good. Beautiful plane. All right, so you were not that far off. She was rubbing rosin up and down the violin bow in a straight line, and when it hit the end, she went back the other way. So you were pretty close, I would say. So do you play any instruments? I play the cello, and oh. we rosin our bow, too. Now that you hear that, does it make sense? Yes. Okay, we are almost out of mysteries. We have only one more sound for you, and this one is from a scientist working in Australia. Here it is. It's really short, so get ready. I think we should probably hear that one again because it is so short. Okay, a cloth bag. It's like when you like scratch on it, you hear that sound. Maybe like a mouse. So a mouse or maybe a cloth bag. I think we should hear it one more time. I feel like it, uh, there's something connected with helium. Maybe like a balloon. Cause it is, is it because it's high-pitched? Yes. Okay, very good guessing. Here's the answer. My name is Anastasia Diop, and I'm a scientist. That was the sound of a female superb lyrebird mimicking two trees rubbing against each other in high wind. So that was the sound of a lyrebird. This is a bird found in Australia, and it was mimicking the sound of tree branches rubbing together. So when you said something like rubbing on cloth, you really weren't that far off. And this lyrebird is an amazing mimic. It mimics the sounds in the natural world, like other birds, other animals? I've always been interested in lyrebirds, um, partly because I'm a musician. So I spend a lot of time thinking about sound and music. Um, but I was also interested in biology and, and birds. And, and so one way to combine an interest in music and birds is to study lyrebirds because they're such fantastic singers. Here's a single superb lyrebird mimicking the sound of multiple kookaburras. But it's also been known to mimic man-made sounds too, like camera shutters. Car alarms. And chainsaws. 
Yes, those sounds you just heard are all made by lyrebirds. And it's spelled L-Y-R-E, not L-I-A-R. We have a video on our website, brainsont.org, if you want to see these birds in action. So I asked Anastasia, how do they do this? We're not entirely sure. We know that they must have a very good memory. Um, and they also have to have a very sophisticated uh, vocal apparatus. So we have, as humans, we have a larynx, but birds have a, a syrinx. It's um, an organ that produces sound um, through vibrating membranes. And in, in birds, it's, it's uh, situated lower down um, in, their, in their chest. So, in fact, um, also birds are able to potentially produce two different sounds at the same time, whereas we can only produce one. Okay, so we're not quite sure how they do it yet, but why do they do it besides it just being super impressive to us humans? Yeah, so that's the focus of our work at the moment. And we do have some rather interesting ideas. The first one is to do with male lyrebirds. So we know that male lyrebirds mimic most often and most uh, spectacularly when females are laying eggs. So we're pretty sure that the male lyrebirds are using their mimicry to um, get a mate, to attract females or perhaps um, defend from other males. But we've also started working on female lyrebirds and they also mimic, they're really good mimics. They produce mimicry in a completely different uh, context. So for females, we think mimicry is important for defending nests from predators. So when a female's nest is uh, attacked by a predator, like a predatory bird, and female eyebirds uh, produce this incredible mimicry, and it's usually mimicry of um, scary sounds in the environment, so alarm calls and um, the calls of uh, hawks and things. We're pretty sure females are trying to use mimicry to scare off predators, but also perhaps to scare off other females who might want their nesting territory. So, Canary, how do your ears feel after that extravaganza? Good. What tips do you have for future mystery sound guessers since you really did such an amazing job? I guess think of like a backstory. Maybe like imagine it happening. Like right now. I like that. So sort of like kind of try to visualize what could possibly be happening as you're listening to the sound. Yes. And remember, if you have any mystery sounds to share, you can always send them to hello at brainson.org. And you can send your questions, ideas, and drawings there too. That's it for this episode. Brain Zone is produced by Mark Sanchez and Sandin Totten and Molly Bloom. We had production help this week from John Lambert, Lauren D, and Jonathan Shiflett. And engineering help from Evan Clark, Bruce Faulkner, and Veronica Rodriguez. And special thanks to Shruti Srinivas, Lindsay Ladd, Aaron Markin, Carrie Vilhauer, Nebeha Khan, Gregory Beatty, Autumn Edmonds, Sarah Kanaus, and Larry Snyder. Now before we go, it's time for a moment of um Julian wants to know, why do bugs rub their hands together when they land on something? Have you ever been at a picnic and seen a fly buzzing around? And then all of a sudden it lands on your tomato sandwich and starts rubbing its legs. Hmm, what might it be doing? Well, flies rub their legs together like that because they're cleaning themselves. And they're cleaning themselves because they use their legs to taste.
My name is Leela Higgins, and I work at the Natural History Museum of Los Angeles County. And I studied bugs when I was in college. Insects have a very interesting way of sensing the world around them, and flies have really big eyes, right? So they can see and sense the world with their vision, but they also have different ways of sensing the world by tasting the world around them. Just like when you're trying to eat food, imagine that you've just eaten a bunch of garlic, and then you go to try and eat some ice cream. It's not going to taste very good. So if a fly got dirty, it's not going to taste the same way if it hasn't cleaned its legs off in between. Flies are very fastidious cleaners, so they clean all over their body. They even clean their eyes using those bristles that are on their legs, almost like a comb. You'll see them wiping their faces, rubbing their legs together, almost looking like they're gleefully plotting the demise of humans, but they're actually cleaning themselves. Clean hands, full heart. I'm ready for this latest group of names to be added to the Brains Honor Roll. These are the kids who power our show by sharing their amazing ideas with us. Every episode of Brains On comes from an idea provided by you. You make us look good. Coralie from Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, Emily from Richmond, Virginia, Stav from Seattle, Quay from Redwood City, California, Aurelia and Nico from Foster City, California, Maddie from Denver, Michael from Hogansville, Georgia, Cruz from Anchorage, Alaska, Tyler from Oakland, California, Anea from Alameda, California, Arjun from Abu Dhabi, Reese from Richmond, Virginia, Ty from Encinitas, California, Lucas, Isabella, and Nina from Orlando, Florida, Zoe from Seattle, Evan from San Diego, Lincoln from Belmont, California, Max and Iggy from Auckland, New Zealand, Anna, Ashley, and Claire from Columbia, South Carolina, Tyra and Mateo from Canberra, Australia, Crystal from Colorado, Izzy and Avi from Winston-Salem, North Carolina, Lorelai from Davis, California, Naomi from Homestead, Florida, Emerson from Virginia Beach, Virginia, Liam from Bridgewater, Connecticut, Simone from Stanford, Connecticut, Keith and Ellen from Silver Spring, Maryland, Everly from Perrysburg, Ohio, Mateo from Cincinnati, Josephine from Portland, Oregon, Miles from Denver, Luke from Boston, Zoe and Harmony from Williamston, Michigan, Colby from Wake Forest, North Carolina, Rudy from Taos, New Mexico, Coraline from California, Evan from Bedford, New Hampshire, Penelope from from Royal Oak, Michigan, Juliet from Edgewater, Colorado, Frankie from Brooklyn, New York, Ethan from Washington, D.C., Rowan from Hale, Michigan, Ariadna from Dubai, Lillian from Falls Church, Virginia, Alina from Shaker Heights, Ohio, Alex from Baltimore, and Asher and Jasper from Watertown, Massachusetts. Brains On is supported in part by a grant from the National Science Foundation. We'll be back soon with more answers to your questions. Until then, you can keep up with us on Instagram and Twitter. We're Brains underscore on, and we're on Facebook too. And if you're interested in that book giveaway, head to brainson.org slash giveaway to enter. Thanks for listening. <laughs>